Let me invite you today to open your Bibles to Psalm 136. As you're turning there, I'll just mention to you that my time of fellowship with the Lord over these last couple weeks, especially in the Psalms, has been incredibly rich. And this particular one, 136, has ministered to me. And so I share the message with you today from Psalm 136 entitled, Give Thanks. Psalm 136. Let's read together starting in verse 1. This is the Word of God. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone, to him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, the king of Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever a heritage to Israel his servant for his steadfast love endures forever it is he who remembered us in our lowest state for his steadfast love endures forever and rescued us from our foes 
for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Father, we want to thank you today for your word for your spirit. Lord, I ask today that you would show yourself strong through this broken vessel of clay. You've promised that your word would not return void. Use it, I pray, to change all of us more into the likeness of Christ. Grant it in his name and for his glory. Amen. Obviously, the refrain in this psalm that God's steadfast love endures forever, by its repetition 26 times, obviously, that is something that is supposed to get our attention. And I'm going to endeavor to give that refrain the attention that it deserves before I'm done. But here at the outset, I want to draw your attention to another theme that the author is also trying to highlight here. I want you to notice that the first three verses and the very last verse of this psalm, Psalm 136, open with the words, Give thanks. And when the exact same phrase is used at the beginning and at the end of a passage like this, the literary device that's being used is called inclusio. The exact same wording at the beginning and at the end kind of act like bookends to help us know that what comes in between these two bookends is a unit of text that is intended to be taken up together. Furthermore, the inclusio often as I believe is the case here, helps draw the reader's attention to a theme. In this case, the giving of thanks. As another matter of literary structure over this psalm, we can see by its placement within the Psalter that giving thanks has an important role to play in our worship of God. Psalm 136 is in a series of psalms known as the Hallel Psalms or the Praise Psalms. If you still have your Bible open, you can look back just one chapter to Psalm 135 and you can see that there's an inclusio around Psalm 135. It's also one of these Hallel Psalms. And you will notice that the beginning and closing phrase of Psalm 135 is Praise the Lord. And even though that exact phrase, praise the Lord, does not show itself in Psalm 136. Psalm 136 is known in Jewish tradition as the great Hillel or the great praise. So in this series of psalms known for their worship and praise of God, the one known as the great Hillel has as its emphasis the giving of thanks to God as a means of our worship 
and praise to him. And I think the least that we can take away from this is that the giving of thanks to God ought to be an important and regular part of our worship. And verse 1 tells us the primary reason of our giving thanks to God. The primary reason that we give thanks to God is because of His goodness. As far as the Bible is concerned, supreme good is never a matter of guesswork. If you want to find the source of all goodness, you need only to look to God Himself. And not only is He the source of all goodness, there's also no good apart from Him. In Mark chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus replies to a question about eternal life, and this is what He says. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Church, for us to have any right concept of goodness at all, we must be in right relationship with God. And since goodness is inseparable from the concept of God, everything that God does is by automatic consequence also good. And what we're going to see in this psalm as we go through it is a highlight reel of God's goodness to his people. Charles Spurgeon in his Treasury of David, which is his commentary on the book of Psalms, writes this about the goodness of God. He is good beyond all others. Indeed, he alone is good in the highest sense. He is the source of good, the good of all good, the sustainer of good, the perfecter of good, and the rewarder of good. And for this, he deserves the constant gratitude of his people. The Bible makes plain that history is not random or haphazard. Rather, God is sovereignly working out his amazingly good plan in history. And as his people, this is one thing that we can be thankful for indeed. As a final note on verses 1 through 3, I want you to take note of the varied references to God. In verse 1, we're instructed to give thanks to the Lord. And anytime you see in your Bible this particular rendering of the word Lord with the O-R-D in small capital letters, this is a reference to the covenant name of God, Jehovah or Yahweh. This is the name of God that indicates His very personal connection with His people. It is so special and such a sacred name to religious Jews even to this day that when they are reading Scripture and they come along this particular name for God, rather than take this sacred name on their lips and pronounce it out loud, they simply substitute the name Adonai. It's a sign of just how special and sacred this very personal name of God is. This is the God who chose them to be his people. This is the God from whom all blessings flow. This God is the fountainhead of everything good, and it's to this God that we're to give our thanks. 
And church, if this very personal God were only benevolent toward His people, but not powerful, then all of His good intentions might very well fall flat. But that danger is completely obliterated in verse 2 as we are instructed to give thanks to the God of gods. Here in verse 2, the name of God mentioned in the original language is Elohim. Elohim. We're to give thanks to Elohim. You might be familiar with some of the L names for God. For example, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. Or El Elyon, the Most High God, or El Olam, the Everlasting God. These El names for God always speak to a particular aspect of His power. So in the examples that I just gave you, we have things like He is all-sufficient and Most High and Everlasting. Elohim is simply the plural form which includes all aspects of his power, and it means the Almighty God. This God is not only the fountainhead of everything good, he's also the fountainhead of all power. So it's not as though our God merely has good intentions toward us, in addition to his great benevolence. He has the power to see his good intentions through. And that's certainly something that we can be thankful for. Finally, in verse 3, the reference to God speaks of his sovereign control over all things when it says that we're to render thanks to the Lord of lords. We serve a God who's not caught off guard by our trials. He's not sitting up in heaven, wringing his hands, wondering what to do next in response to our circumstances. Rather, he's in charge of our circumstances. So we're to offer our thanks to God who is not only benevolent to us with good intentions as his dearly beloved children, but also to the God who is all-powerful and who is also sovereignly in control of all things. This is the God to whom we render our thanksgiving. And as if the first three verses are not enough to convince you to offer your thanks to this benevolent, all-powerful, and sovereign God, the rest of the psalm highlights particular aspects of God's goodness for which we're to be thankful, starting with the goodness of God that's put on display in creation. Look with me again at verses 4 through 9. To Him alone, who alone does great wonders, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who by understanding made the heavens, for His steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. 
the sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. From Genesis 1, do you remember what God says at the conclusion of each of the first six days of creation? God said that it was good. And at the end of the sixth day, in fact, he says it's very good. If you know nothing else at all about God other than what you can see of his creation all around you, his creation is so magnificent. It is so magnificently good that God expects you to perceive that there is indeed a creator with a capital C and that you should render thanks to him. That's exactly what Romans 1 tells us. Follow along with me as I read, starting in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, here it is, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. God in His great and glorious mercy brought order out of chaos. God put us on a beautiful planet with the expanse of the heavens above us. He gave us a sun to give us light and warmth. He gave us air for our lungs to breathe, both dry land and the sea for us to enjoy and have dominion over. And God made every single bit of it ex nihilo, out of nothing by merely speaking a word. Wow. Creation is a grand display of the goodness of God for which we are to be thankful. The next section of this psalm, verses 10 through 16, remind us of God's goodness in the way that He saved His people from the Egyptians. And just as with creation, we're intended to see in this example echoes of the very personal covenant God, the almighty God, and the sovereign God. Verse 10 showcases the last conquering plague. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. In other words, this is God showing His loving kindness to His people by having the death angel to pass over all of the homes that were under the covering of blood. And through that awful plague, God, verse 11, 
brought Israel out from among them. For his steadfast love endures forever. And God delivered them not by some sleight of hand or not by clever manipulation, but rather by a display of his almighty power. It's what we see in verse 12, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. For his steadfast love endures forever. And when the children of Israel had their backs against the wall because Pharaoh and his army was coming after them from the one side and the Red Sea was on the other side of them, God shows his sovereign control over all things. Verse 13, to him who divided the Red Sea in two for his steadfast love endures forever. And he not only divided the sea, He gave the people courage enough once it was divided to walk through, which is an example of God's control even over the hearts of man. I mean, just think of the situation. Put yourself in the shoes of the children of Israel who have just seen this mighty sea part ways. I know you want to get away from the Egyptians that are bearing down on you from this side, but are you really excited about walking through the middle of this wall of sea? On either side? Well, verse 14 tells us that God made Israel pass through the midst of it. His steadfast love endures forever. And to further magnify his greatness, God made this a miracle not only of his love, but also of his justice. Verse 15, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. And then with one little poetic line in verse 16. Forty years of miraculous protection and provision are summed up. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For his steadfast love endures forever. For 40 years. There was a pillar of cloud guiding them by day. Protecting them from the scorching heat of the summer sun. For 40 years there was a pillar of fire by night to keep the people warm. Every morning when they woke up, food was there for them and the way of manna, their clothes didn't wear out. And His goodness shines all the brighter when you remember that more often than not, the attitude of God's people was anything but filled with gratitude during their time in the wilderness. God's goodness to his people continues. Continues. And that he didn't just merely lead them out of bondage and provide for them during their wandering in the wilderness. He also had a grand purpose for them. And we see the goodness of God on display in the way that he gives to them the promised land. Due to both the great wickedness of the inhabitants of the land and 
out of the, his own great love for his people, God made room for the Israelites in the land of promise. Verse 17. To him who struck down great kings, for his love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. The goodness of God shines bright in these verses, not only for the mere fact that He's providing for His people, but the Bible here tells us that these were great kings and these were mighty kings. As far as God's concerned, they might as well have been the least of the weak kings. Human greatness and might is no protection whatsoever from the justice of Almighty God. Sihon and Og are mentioned in particular likely because they were the first two kings that the children of Israel encountered on their way into the promised land. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever forever, a heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. For his goodness in creation, for his goodness in rescuing his people, for his goodness in providing for them and leading them into his purpose for them and into their heritage. For all of this, God's people should look back over their corporate history and they should also look back over their own individual histories and be forever grateful. But I want you to know this morning that God's goodness to us does not stop merely with a look back. The tense of things changes from a look back to what God is presently doing for His people as this psalm comes to a close. Verse 23. It's He who remembered us in our low estate for His steadfast love endures forever and rescued us from our foes for His steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for His steadfast love endures forever. This psalm the great Hillel obviously has as its emphasis the giving of thanks for the goodness of God in our worship. But the reason that this psalm has earned the moniker of being the great Hillel has everything to do with this repeated refrain, for his steadfast love endures forever. Pause for a moment to let that sink in. 
for his steadfast love endures forever. It is repeated in every single verse of this psalm. 26 times. And so, of all of the good things to be celebrated and of all the good things to be thankful for and worshipped in this psalm, the greatest of all is God's steadfast love which endures forever. The Hebrew word for this is hesed. Hesed. It's often rendered in our English Bibles as loving kindness or as we see it here in the ESV, steadfast love. To kind of bring us back to where we began has said is a term that refers to the covenant-keeping God or to the favor that God shows the people with whom he has entered into a covenant with. And sir or ma'am, if that describes you this morning, the most wonderful thing about this psalm is not merely the remembrances of God's goodness and the way that he's come through for his people in the past or even in the way that he's come through for you personally in the past, as good as that is and as good as it is for us to remember those things. The most wonderful thing about this psalm is that every single line of it is intended to remind you and to encourage you that the God who is in heaven, the one who has good intentions towards you, the one who is almighty to bring those good intentions about, and the one who is sovereignly in control of all things, loves you with a sad, a sad. A love based on a God who keeps His covenant no matter what and who is forever good into the future. Forever good. Give thanks to the God of heaven for His Steadfast love endures forever. Forever. Heavenly Father, as we enter a week, this week when the concept of Thanksgiving is going to be ever before us, I pray that you would Take us on a journey. Help us to remember the good and glorious ways that you have indeed come through for your collective people across the ages of time and that that would cause in our hearts a wellspring of thanksgiving to come to you. 
And in addition to that, would you bring to to our minds all of the times that you have come through for us as individuals through our own history. And may that too cause a spring of thanksgiving to rise to you. But even more than all of that, Lord, I pray that as we contemplate thanksgiving this week, that we would find a great sense of hope. As your people, we should be the most hopeful people on the planet. Help us to have this great sense of hope because we serve a God who's not merely benevolent toward us. He is also all-powerful and He is sovereignly in control of all things. And His has said, His loving kindness, His steadfast love is directed on us forever into the future. May we fall on our faces this week for all of the many wonderful blessings that you give us. But may it not escape our attention that you are the covenant-keeping God who is faithful forever, no matter what. And you're on our side. Help us to remember that. Grant it, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.